Hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is January 28th, 2023. Hopefully this episode finds you well in good spirits with high hopes. Um, I know sometimes shit can get dark, but hey, at least we got each other, right? Um, that being said, we can talk about moi. Actually, there's not much to talk about. Um... Between this episode and last, I made a weird, like, kind of scrap meal. I made, like, rice, and I had, like, uh, popcorn chicken, and then I had um, some, like, salad, lettuce, whatever. Kind of mixed it all up, and I also had uh, fish sticks that I chopped in there, too. So, I mean, it was was a bit diabolical, I guess. Um, I dressed it up with some random stuff. and I had bread. Yeah, and bread. So it was, it was fine. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, not meal of the year, though. Let's see. Other than that, not too much. We can get right into it. Um, let's see. From The Guardian. U.S. military raid kills key Islamic State regional leader in Somalia, officials say. By law, al-Sudani, responsible for fostering the growing presence of IS in Africa, was killed in strike approved by Joe Biden. Um, So the strike took place. um, I guess essentially they were, this was like a planned thing. It wasn't like anything like haphazard. Um, They had planned, at least according to what they say, that they were going to take him alive because he had like valuable information. You know, he was a resource that could be used in that regard. So they wanted to take him alive. But when they got on the ground, they they assessed that they couldn't. So, you know, the like, firefighter or whatever ensued. Um, he dies, and as well as, like, 10 other people who were um, IS associates. Um, there were no American casualties. I think someone was injured, but I think they were all right. Um, let's see. On January 25th, on the orders of the president, or orders from the president, the U.S. military conducted an assault operation in northern Somalia that resulted in the death of a number of ISIS members, including including Bilal al-Sudani. That was uh, Lloyd Austin, uh, the Secretary of Defense. Let's see here. Um, al-Sudani was responsible for fostering the growing presence of ISIS in Africa, and for funding the group's operations worldwide, including in Afghanistan. Um, and this is something I kind of heard in some reports, just, you know, listening, you know, to information like the Daily, stuff like that. But you hear that ISIS kind of spreads itself out, and it tries to go to areas that have a, what they would deem a weak government. So essentially something that they can go in and there's not enough security to really stop them once they get a foothold in this area and then really set up and grow. So essentially that's what this group I think was trying to do and was really, was very successful. Um, and the government was not able to really coordinate any kind of offensive. And, you know, from the U.S. perspective, they say, hey, we're going to get in there and we're going to regulate. Um I don't know. As I get older, I look at these situations differently and then more differently. So 
I think when I was younger, I remember when we'd have these kind of strike situations and, and all that stuff, like with the Barack Obama, I, I didn't really think anything bad about it. And, you know, looking back at it, though, uh, you know, from hearing other people's perspectives, learning more about it, you understand, though, how these kind of situations, whether they go well, whether they go bad, like they they really can be very dramatic to the people in the countries where they live. Um, and I mean, obviously, though, I, maybe this is me being a liberal hog. I don't know. I would like to think that something like this would be helpful to the area um, and hopefully at least to more, you know, control from the government now. But um, I don't know. I, I think in the timeline that probably won't come to pass, which will be very unfortunate. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's too, too much here I wanted to talk on. Um, let's see, since Biden became president in 2021, the aerial strikes have fallen off, um, to just 16 in 2022, and no ground strikes have been recorded, according to data compiled by New America, a national security think tank. Um, so yeah, that's interesting, that happened. Um, moving along to Reuters, Haiti police block streets break into airport to protest officer killings so you know we've talked about a lot of unrest uh, throughout the podcast to take place that's taking place in haiti um on thursday though let's see haitian police officers blocked streets and forced their way into the country's main airport to protest the recent killing of officers by armed gangs expanding their grip um on the caribbean nation um they like pulled out tires and started burning them you know just actual like physical blockades you know just being out um also with vehicles things of that nature um they were in plain clothes but they were police so i mean obviously that adds that that adds to the level of pressure that's going on here um I don't know. I mean, th this is a weird situation to me to look at because it's obviously this is a, a part of an arm of the security that is Haiti. And it's so bad there. And we've talked about in the other situation, you know, Somalia, where I'm talking about the government power balance. And if you don't have that, then that means on the street, then you whatever that is not the security becomes the security. They become the power in town. And, you know, essentially you have these armed gangs that are the power in town now. They control who gets to eat, who gets to drink water, all these things, um, whether aid is not going to come in or not. So the police are doing the best they can because they are the security available. And I believe like their number, like the number of deaths are like north of 70, um, 78. So, yeah, Haitian human rights group RNDDH said in a statement that 78 police officers had been killed since Henry came to power, Henry came to power, which is what this is about um he had come back but in the process of him coming back the police had also not only set up these you know blockades or whatever people were protesting they also took it to his home and he wasn't there but he had just come back from a trip and they're like okay well we'll just we'll just raid the airport and um so it just became a whole situation um let's see Trying to think where I want to. Um, talking about police. Condolences, all that from Americans who are involved. 
Um, what else did I wanted to cover here? Um, hmm. Okay, yeah, he was coming back from a trip from Argentina. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, protesters in civilian clothes who identified themselves as police first attacked Prime Minister Ariel Henry's official residence, uh, according to a Reuters witness, and then flooded the airport as Henry was arriving from a trip to Argentina. Um, Henry was temporarily stuck in the airport, but returned to his residence in Port-au-Prince later on Thursday, followed by police protesters. A Reuters witness heard heavy gunfire near his home. Um, now, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure he might have left the country again. Um, I don't have the full, fully updated part of this story, but I think he might be out of the country now. Um, which wouldn't necessarily be a good thing, because that would mean that there's no head of state right now. Um, which would only add to the turmoil that's going on in Haiti. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously this is a really sticky situation. Um, I do try to, like, you know, provide updates, though, as they come. When I heard that, like, literally the police now were hitting the streets to protest, I was like, that is a bad sign. Um, so, you know, wanted to try to at least add a little bit of an update there. Um, and also, obviously, you know, to talk about the reasons that they were protesting. Like, they're protesting the prime minister, you know what I mean? Like, that's no good. Um, let's see, let's see. Oh, here we go. Um, so the country's prime minister had ordered all Bahamians, including the diplomatic personnel, to leave Haiti as soon as the, as soon as security conditions permit. Um, da, 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 da. Okay, I think that's it. I'm in the weeds a little bit here, so let's move along. Let me have a sip of water. All right. Um, from BBC News. Jerusalem synagogue shooting. Israel arrests 42 after deadly attack. So this article kind of brushes through a little bit of what's been going on in the escalation of conflict as of late. Um, you know, obviously there's so much going on in the, you know, Israel-Palestine conflict situation. I, I try not to live in this space. But at the same time, I, I think about it a lot where I'm like, man, I really could cover this as much as I cover the Ukraine situation. It's been going on for longer. It is consistent. But I don't know. I, I try not to be a hammer on too much. Um, let's see here. Um, seven people were killed and at least three more were injured in the deadliest attack of its kind in two years. Uh, two people were also injured on Saturday in a separate attack outside of the old city. Um, Israel said the gunman in Saturday's attack um, was a 13-year-old boy. So, I mean, it's super sad to, you know, hear, like, people that, in, that are this young involved in this kind of situation. Um I mean, I think if you guys know, let's have, you know, a long time listeners of the pod, you guys know my stance on this kind of shit. Um, but at the end of the day, any kind of violence is just, it's, it's never going to be something I want to see. It's never going to be something that I, you know, it's just, it's just a bummer. <laughs> um, let's see. 
and they kind of go back and forth in between the two attacks. Um, something I did want to... Also, I believe the person in the Friday um, situation, um, I believe he was killed. I'm not sure about the 13-year-old. Um, they said he, the 13-year-old had been neutralized, but they didn't add any further details, which is very unsettling. But that is what that is. Um, let's see. Tensions have been high since... Palestinians, both militants and civilians, were killed during an Israeli military raid in Jenin in the occupied West Bank on Thursday. This was followed by a rocket fire or by rocket fire into Israel from Gaza, which Israel responded with airstrikes. So, I mean, this shit has been very active, very kinetic. Um, I mean, it, it is a tit for tat thing. It's also very scary when you just look at where, you know, Israel is in terms of its government right now. Something I really haven't been covering is people have been protesting, getting really active um, because they are not OK with where, you know, the government is going right now in such a right wing, right slanted direction. Like not just being conservative, but more towards extremism. Um, of course, um, what is it? Mr. Ben Gavir. Um, he's promised to bring back safety, uh, bring, bring safety back to Israel's streets, but there is rising anger that he has not yet done so, says BBC's Yolande Nell in Jerusalem, which is a very, once again, unsettling thing, because it means then that maybe there's a, a potential sentiment that people are like, yeah, dude, no, we want you to regulate. And it's like, oh, this dude just wants, that's all he wants to do. Um, I'm sure this dude would love to commit some like atrocities against the Palestinian people to prove a point. Um, and he would just call that, you know, standard operating procedure. Um, I, I don't, and then, and that's why I don't like the escalation part. You know what I mean? Um, I do believe that in these situations, Hamas has not claimed the situation. Like they haven't like claimed responsibility, but that really kind of winds up not mattering because they say, well, these are Pal Palestinian people, Palestinian terrorism. They, they will go after who they think they need to go after in those situations. Um, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, that's more or less all I got there. Um, let's see. Moving back to the States, uh, a little bit lighter news. Kind of ease up a bit. Um, from the Associated Press, classified documents at Pence's home to, his lawyer say, his lawyer says, sorry, um, so, I mean, let's we'll kind of do a quick summarization here. Essentially, Mike Pence, uh, another guy who was like, oh, man, it's crazy that Biden's been, you know, getting his shit all messed up with these, you know, documents. You should definitely, you know, make sure that you don't have these things and yada, yada, yada. Well, it turns out he fucked up and he had them, too. Um, he had a box that was taped up. Um, it's believed that it wasn't opened or anything like that, but um, it wasn't in a safe, secure location. Either way, it really doesn't matter. But, um... He has since, you know, had it rectified. He's come out and said, hey, you know, that's a mistake. Um, and uh, he just wants to be transparent. Um, I did mention Joe Biden here. I, I, it come out again that he had more documents come out. But essentially, it's just like it was a trickle-down effect because he had never been fully open about it. He'd only just told the GOJ. 
here's what we have and the information is kind of trickled out over time. So naturally, that doesn't make him look good, but it's also very boring news to fucking talk about. This has very quickly become a, like, Trump Mar-a-Lago situation. Um, also, it was definitely cute, though, to see Trump come out in defense for his, um, you know, his old little boo. Um, Mike Pence is an innocent man. He never did anything knowingly dishonest in his life. Leave him alone! Leave him alone. <laughs> I love that. I love that for him. I love that for them. Um, so, I mean, it's good that they're they're squashing the beef over some paper, over some classified paper. Now, granted, all these situations are unique in their own way. I would say Mike Pence's situation and Joe Biden's are pretty parallel in the sense of, okay, you were talking a lot of shit saying we, we don't, we don't condone this behavior. You should cooperate. You should not even have these documents in your home. Yada, yada, yada. Oops, a daisy. They're in my house. They're in my space, whatever. I, I don't exactly remember where uh, Pence's documents were, but they just weren't in a secure location. That's really all I, I care about, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, essentially, who knows how it's going to be resolved? Who knows if it's going to get special counsel or get it rolled into one of the other ones? Um, I still think once again, Trump's is a little bit different because he had way more and was like fighting the actual process where the two other parties are essentially just saying, Oh, I made I made a mistake. Here you go. Um, also in the article, Obama gets mentioned and I'm so glad because I was waiting for that. Um, there are some Republicans, they didn't name them in the article, but essentially they've come out and said, what about, uh, Barack Obama? I wonder if he has any documents. He should uh, let us into his house. What the fuck? This <laughs> shit is wild to me. Like, and, and I don't mean it just to run point for Obama. I mean it, period. Like, I don't want to go to Bill Clinton's house. I don't want to go to fucking George W. Bush's house and be like, hey, man, you got any papers? Um, you got any little love letters from any, like, prime minister, presidents, or whatever? Like, let me see them. Give them to me. They belong in a museum. They belong in an archive. Like, like yes, you're right. By by the numbers, yes, they do. But, shit, man. None of these motherfuckers really care at the end of the day. Obviously. If anything, that's what this proves. Is that a lot of people just had some documents. And they shouldn't have had said documents. And it's like, oh, whoopsie. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But, I mean, I think it could take months. Even maybe longer to get this whole thing processed and whether or not things are going to happen who knows um so yeah let me go ahead and take my my fabled break Ooh. Um, from ABC News, Donald Trump allowed back on Facebook and Instagram, Meta announces. Once again, going to do a little summary here. Guess who's back, back, back again. Donald's back, back, back. I don't You can tell your friends if you want. I don't know. Um, I guess that's me doing it now. Um, but let's see. On January 7th, right after, you know, the, the, the riot, um, uh, 2021, um, he was locked out of his accounts on Facebook and Instagram. 
and um, I didn't really pay attention, remember, but I just said, okay, yeah, he's banned. Awesome. That's the right decision. Cool beans. Good call. And, you know, tra la la about my life. But yeah, it is a two-year suspension that he was under, and the way Facebook has looked at it, um, and Nick Clegg, who is Meta President of Global Affairs, um, he has a little bit of a quote here, um, or statement. The suspension was an extraordinary decision taken in an extraordinary circumstance. In, taken in extraordinary circumstances. Um, the normal state of affairs is that the public is that the public should be able to hear from a former president of the United States and a declared candidate for that office that for that office again on our platforms. Now that the time period of the suspension has elapsed, the question is not whether we choose to reinstate Mr. Trump's accounts, but whether there remain such extraordinary circumstances that extending the suspension beyond the original two-year period is justified. Um, so, I mean, a little bit more yada, yada, yada. Essentially, it's like, hey, he's fine as long as he doesn't say anything crazy. If he does, then, yeah, we're going to potentially give him another suspension, which would most likely be anywhere from, like, one month to two years. Um, essentially, he's just saying, hey, the reason we did it to us was very apparent and very obvious. Like, it was very crazy times, and we said we need to make sure that we're safeguarding the community as a whole. And if it gets to that point again, then we're going to make the same kind of decision, but he should be allowed to talk a shit. Um, I really do think it's a little bit of monkey see, monkey do, um, at least in terms of, like, if Twitter allows Donald Trump to exist on the platform. It's weird then to also have Facebook not have him exist on their platform. Um, I don't think it changes much of anything. Um, I do think that Trump will, to at least a minor extent, use Facebook. I think he will use Twitter. Um, whether or not people like to admit it, what have you, Facebook is a bigger platform. Perhaps the biggest social media platform still. Um... I think Twitter has its own advantages for sure and it has its own inroads that make it nice and its own niche thing and make it really good. You know, if Elon Musk doesn't fucking blow it to shit. But um, Facebook, it just has a lot of people on it, you know? I, I know me, most of um, any of my audience for my little shit posts, my little memes, um, is definitely well more, I'm well more established on Facebook, I should say. Um, not to sound like a weirdo or anything, but, um, yeah, Trump being back on Facebook is also, it's, it's a big, small thing. Like it's big because it's like, oh, okay, yeah, he's pretty much now has access to all the platforms that he had before January 6th of, you know, 2021. Um, do I think it really makes that much of a difference? Not really. In a lot of ways right now, Trump has fallen off. Uh, but that being said, I think, uh, He's not, like, ever done because there's nothing that's eclipsing him. You know, Ron DeSantis isn't it. I don't think so. You know what I mean? Um, so, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Because at the end of the day, though, backing Trump hasn't won you shit for the past, like, about, what, year and a half, two years? So, you know, Republicans are kind of in shambles in that regard. But, um, you know, that's, that's pretty much all we got. 
Um, let me hop into shill, shill mode real quick. Uh, Patreon.com slash Zan News. Um, you get bonus content. You get extra episodes. You get Discord access. You get um, newsy shout outs. That's all available to you. Um, $5. Um, and that $5, you know, goes to the podcast, helps the effort. Hopefully, you know, I get to get, I would really love to like get just more equipment, better equipment, you know, really improve on shit. Um, but I know time will come and, um, either way, I always appreciate people listening. That's the best thing you can do. If you also crazy as it might be, um, you know, you share it, you like it, you comment, you, you talk about it with your friends. These are all free ways to help. And I would love that. That's a way to be a newsy for free, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Um, also free stuff to hit me up. Um, like I said, I'm on all the socials, you know, you can catch me on Facebook. You can catch me on Twitter. You can catch me on Tumblr. Um, that'd be crazy to get a Tumblr notification <laughs> that like actually mattered. Um, but yeah, other than that, free ways to hit me up, uh, Isaiah news one at gmail.com. And that's all I got. So hopefully I see you soon for some more good news. I love you. Bye-bye. Mwah.